Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable. We are so glad to have you join us on today's podcast. But before we jump in, we have a special announcement. The CLIMB Conference is coming up at the start of 2022. And this conference is designed for pastors and their teams to come be a part of this. It is going to be January 27th through 29th. It is a time for your team to get poured into and to grow in their leadership. So you don't want to miss it. Go to climbconference.com and get your whole team here. Don't miss the early bird pricing. Now to today's episode. Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where we get together every month and talk leadership, talk God's church, and how when leaders get better, everything around them gets better. And we are thrilled to be here, and we're grateful that you're joining us today. And go to our webpage to get the details, notes for everything we talk about. It's visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable. Today, we've got a special guest with us. Thrilled to have Pastor Mike Jr. in the house. Thanks for having me. How are you, man? I'm excited. I'm at one community, man. I'm excited. (laughs) man. So glad you're at the church and here on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know, you just need to go Google Pastor Mike Jr. (laughs) If you're you're older than me, you probably need to go Google that. If you're younger, you probably already know. Let's go. Tell me about it. What's going on? What's been going on in the life of your church? Rock City Church. Uh, first off, thanks, Pastor Conway, for having me, man. I feel like I just met my brother from another mother. <laughs> I'm excited, man. But it's been an incredible, in the words of that famous author, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Um, when someone asked me, man, how's your last two years been? I'm ambivalent. Ambivalent, man. Uh, on one hand, it's been rough. We've been dealing with a national pandemic, mm-hmm. not seeing your church for a year, and um, uh, getting used to this new normal or this reset. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, man... Um, Two number one gospel songs, the number one gospel album. Uh, new Artist of the Year last year, won Artist of the Year this year. Uh, the soul count is through the roof at our church. Wow. So I don't know whether to shout or cry. I'm, I'm, I'm all over both, the place, right? man. It's both. both of them, man. So it's been a blessed year, but it's also been a trying year. But I believe uh, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. That's right. So that's what we're doing now is showing God he can trust our faith. That's cool. Now, what... What, um, because of what's been going on in your life and gospel music and everything else, um, your social influence has been growing. Yeah. Social media, your presence, your influence. Can you talk a little bit about what, what impact that has on the next generation and reaching today's culture? I think it's important. I believe, um, especially when it talks to church. So my whole, my whole, my whole methodology is changing when it comes to, uh, 21st century church, Mm -hmm. uh, pre pandemic, when you ask somebody when you preach, you said uh, Sunday at 9, 10, 12, right. Tuesday at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, now when they ask when do you preach, every day. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives us an opportunity to kind of speak life to people on a daily basis. So for me, what I'm seeing now is you have to take the gospel where they are. I believe we see this model modeled uh, by that Palestinian Jew named Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pharisees are mad at Jesus because they have a building with no people, yet he has people with no building. Uh, if we made that uh, analogous to the 21st century church and just kind of made it comparable, the Pharisees are at home screaming, come, Jesus is on the move. If he's in the street, he's tweeting, meet me. Hey, can't you imagine Jesus sending a tweet out, meet me by the Red Sea? Live tweet, two fish, five loaves of bread is going down. So for me, it allows me to reach people. And what we're seeing is a direct connect between, I drop quotes on social media. So, hey, I, I drop a quote. Boom, it'll get uh, seven, 8,000 likes. 
and we'll check the metrics of how it translates and how mm-hmm. it does this. And it's, it, it's the greatest evangelistic tool I believe we can have right now, just like with the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing in our ministry, as the music goes, so does new members mm-hmm. because of the exposure. And that's why I love what you guys are doing. I think I heard the single is about to drop. Is right. that a shameless plug? Be bold. That's right. Be I was bold. listening. Be bold. be bold. So shameless plug. Be bold. Should be out now. You know, the album is on its way. And that's an evangelistic tool. I think um, if we're not careful, and I, I pray somebody can receive this, uh, we're going to delimit what God can do because the culture hasn't given us permission to tap into each tool. You know, I'm a pastor uh, and I was afraid to sing because in my context, in the African-American context, when a pastor becomes a singer, there are jokes like he's a right. psalmist right. or he's a, he's, he's a singer. Now, he's not really a preacher pastor. Right. And in my heart, I was like, oh, now that I'm doing it, I'm seeing so many people free. And I'm going to say this to you. I love every pastor on the face of the planet. I can't go on YouTube and see a 21 million view sermon. But my single has 21 million plays. Mm-hmm. So 21 million people heard Jesus. Right. So I'm preaching through music. Gospel music is the only genre of music where the message plus the melody equals a miracle. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about it, man. man. So what are some other creative things you've done? Um, we talked about quotes and music. What are some things you've done to gain influence socially and out there digitally? Uh, I, I don't know what it might be, mm-hmm. but things you've done that have translated to lives change, to members coming to church, people's people experiencing Jesus. Uh, we just try our best. Um, I tell everybody, um, you're you're in this catch twenty two as a pastor, as a church leader. Uh, if you tell the community what you're doing, one room says you're bragging. Uh, if you don't tell them what you're doing, then they right. yell on social media you're not doing nothing. Right. You know. So um, what we try to do is. Um, I call it the Jesus method for church planning, mm-hmm. in a sense. You see, Jesus, the first thing he does is he picks his team. He picks his team. The second thing he does, I always say, he, he concretizes his message. Mm-hmm. But then the third thing he does is he performs miracles. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what's so incredible. If he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, if he's uh, what my professor at Yale called a hypostatic union, mm-hmm. all God, all man. You know, he's not half man, half God. He's all God. He empties himself of his deity, wraps it in humanity, and calls it flesh. So now he's man enough to fill it, but God enough to heal it. You know, so he he does miracles. So if he's talking to this blind person, and and he pulls him to the corner, and he says, I'm going to give you your sight, but don't tell nobody. Well, if he's the author, the director, and the leading role in the movie, Mm -hmm. he knew this man was going to speak. So what I discovered was... His miracles are equivalent, in a sense, to my marketing. You know, so one thing I believe we try to do is whenever we perform, for lack of a better term, little miracles, we paid off our $1.3 million worth of medical debt for the entire greater Birmingham area. So in the city of Birmingham, any citizen who had outstanding medical bills, we covered the debt. And we were able to go on the news and talk about it. We were able to present uh, or in the words of my brother from uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, we were able to represent, I uh, shout out to Mike Todd, I love him so much, uh, represent this, 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 uh, this God or this, 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 this church, because you know this, the church, especially sometimes in the African-American context, gets mm-hmm. such a negative connotation. Right. Uh, so when you got churches like One Community in Rock City doing all of these things, that's what we do, man. So we use social media to minister. Right. Uh, we use social media to market. Like, hey, guys, here's how we bless so-and-so. Here's the opportunity to do X, Y, Z. Like what you guys are doing with this podcast. 
It's geared toward leaders and pastors. But if you bless a leader, I call it the pyramid effect. You bless that leader, right. it goes down to another tier. Yeah. So one community is really blessing an entire city by blessing one person. So when Pastor Mike Jr. comes to one community and I'm inspired by everything you guys are doing, I in turn go back to Birmingham. Now, and whole city is transformed by what took place here. Wow, yep. that's big. That's big. Now, uh, tell, tell me, I'm curious to know, your church is still virtual. Yeah. What has that looked like to do church virtually and to keep people connected in the church growing? It was, um, you never would have told me we would be alive. Right. The church would still be alive. I had to close my doors for now going on 16 months. You know, mm -hmm. I, I took a lot of scrutiny. I was the first church in the state of Alabama to close. Mm -hmm. You know, we closed five days before they made it a mandate. Gotcha. Something in my spirit just said, get ahead of this mm -hmm. thing. Uh, but it's been a journey. Uh, it's been, I miss, I miss my people. Mm -hmm. uh, we just did a concert outside in our city. Okay. Uh, and it was, the park was jam-packed. And they, they laughed because I broke down crying on stage. Cause you just when you, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. You know I've never done this for fame. I've never done it for money. Uh, I was the last person on staff to get on payroll. Mm -hmm. You know I, it never. I, I gave we gave away at our church. I never forget it. We gave away thirty thousand dollars worth of free gas. I ran out of gas that night, and the news station pulled up behind me. It was like, what? I, I forgot to give myself gas. Mm -hmm. You know. So I love people. That's been the most challenging part about this. Mm -hmm. But. Um, the best part about it is it's grown me in so many ways. I was a slave to response. Mm -hmm. You know this, man. Um, and, and church, you need to hear it. Uh, right. and, and see, God said he's going to do it. Yeah, yeah. preach, pastor. So imagine the first day we go into quarantine. I'm like, and get ready. And it's crickets. So it made me study more. It made me, uh, it made me cut the fluff out of my message. At the same time, it made us uh, do an inventory. I was telling my team on the other day, uh, I've been in the midst of the last six weeks, uh, retrospective reflect, a retrospective inspection. Because I believe there cannot be any futuristic expectation without retrospective uh, inspection. In other words, in order, until you look back, you know, so, so virtual church allowed us to see what was fat. You know, you know this. Yeah. Uh, I plan on going to Del Frisco's. That's right. Uh, so okay. uh, they're going to give me a good steak, real, sure. real, real good steak. Uh, I never forget, I'm with my dad, little kid. Mm -hmm. He goes to Shoney's. I don't know if you guys oh, know what Shoney's no, is. I know what's up with Shoney's. Okay, Shoney's. <laughs> I said, Dad, can I have some of your steak? He cuts the fat, and my brother's behind the camera here. He, cut, he put some A1 on the fat. He cut it. He put it on the fork and handed it to me, and I tore it off. My mom looked and said, don't give my baby all that fat. I said, mama, this steak. Now that I'm an adult, I realize he never gave me steak. <laughs> he gave me fat. Okay. And I discovered that so many churches are giving their members fat. Mm -hmm. What's fat? Mm. The things uh, that come with ministry that, but aren't necessary for ministry. Mm -hmm. So for me, it allowed us to cut off a lot of fat. Like that ministry wasn't thriving anyway. We were doing it because ten people. This person just liked being called the leader of it. Right. You know, so kill it. So right. it allowed us to cut the fat. I believe. Um, I believe now we're five guys, burgers and fries. Here's what we do well. Mm -hmm. This is our menu. Yeah. Anything that's not on that menu, we just may not be the church for you. That's right. uh, because God called us to be all things to all people. He never called our ministries to be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. I believe that was a personal call, not necessarily a corporate call. Mm -hmm. And I believe when we look at the text wrong, a lot of us are building our churches on personal assignments, not corporate assignments. Mm, that's good. Yep. What, um, so when you 
talk about the church going virtual and digital. And <laughs> I've, I've heard it said that um, in person, there's a certain peer pressure too. Mm. People can't get up and leave church or they'll feel awkward. Oh my God. Online, they can leave if right they now. Get for 15 seconds, they can click. Oh my God. So I love what you said. You're, yeah. you, you've got to cut yeah. it out and bring your best. Yep. Or you see those views start going down. Yeah. And um, that is so, so real. What What are some of the things, some other things, maybe top two or three things God's showing you that you need to grow in or, or new direction your church is going in? Uh, new direction. We're, we're, I think the last Mohican for Rock City Church is, um, is, is leadership development mm-hmm. and facilities. You know, you. I, I was sharing my testimony with you. At 25 years old, I hear God tell me to start a church. I go to my dad, who's a pastor. He says, Mike, I really believe that's what God wants to do in your life. Mm-hmm. We go to Fairfield, Alabama. I put out 1,200 chairs because God told me it's going to be big. And uh, 10 people show up. <laughs> you know, and I, I'm like, whoa, like, God, I know what you showed me. How did you recover from that? Hear me. But let me show you what was crazy. <laughs> I've always been... Just unfazed. My dad pastored a small church. Yeah. You know, um, I'm from the day and age where you had to go to vacation Bible school, Sunday school, youth yeah. choir. So for me, I looked at my team, and we say this every Sunday to this day, whether it's one in 1,000, we do what we do. I walked out there, I put 1,200 chairs out personally. That's the hard part, personally. They didn't have a good staff at the place we were at. Mm-hmm. I had to put them out. And I'm saying, man, nobody showed up. And I preached, there's a rock in you. When he asked Peter, who do men say that I am? That's my first sermon at Rock City. And uh, you know this, Easter 2009 is 10 people. Easter 2010 is maybe six or 700. Easter 2011 is 5,000 people in the arena. And it just took, it took off. Yeah. Well, we never properly, in my opinion, when your church is built on a personality, sometimes leadership fails. Mm-hmm. And because the experience was so dynamic, you know, uh, as you can see, like even now, uh, I'm the pastor and I have music awards. My worship director has music awards. Mm-hmm. My musical director has a So our worship department is almost like an award show. Wow. It's deep. We got a deep squad, but our admin department is small. Mm-hmm. So I looked at, so what we're doing now at Rock City, the two things that God's been laying on my heart, uh, I, I can categorize 1A, 1B, 1A, 1B, then 2. 1A is leadership, 1B is fellowship. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've done a good job with fellowship. Yeah. Um, we always talk about leadership, but there's a responsibility in following that I want to start saying to my members now, no, I'm the leader, you are the follower, which means I, I'm in charge of leadership. You should be in charge of fellowship. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I just put more responsibility on this is our church, not just my church. That's right. Uh, and then the second one is facilities. You know, uh, we were renting an arena in our city, and now going back, I believe, especially coming here, I just really want something nice for my church. I'm not the young guy. At first, I was 25. Like, we don't need a building. We're young. We're rogues. And I was 28. Like, no, we don't need facilities. Then I was 31. It ain't about tabernacles. It's about tents. Now I'm like, wait, I want something nice. You know, I, I, want, I want my members to be like, hey, look at our podcast. Room. Or, look, that's my church right there. You know, so... That's what we're doing now. We're nego- in negotiation with some places. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those will be my top two. That's good. And and listeners on our podcast will know when we talk about church growth, there's the top three things. Come on. You're nailing it. Is number one's evangelism. Okay. Number two is your space. Mm-hmm. What is your space? So how, how active are you in the community reaching people? Number two, what does it look like when they come? And number three is who are the people around you? 
Wow. If you don't have those top three, there's there's about seven or eight other things. But if you don't have those top three right, it, it it's going to hold you back. It's going to be limited to one person, yeah. and there's going to be a serious bottleneck. So, man, you're crushing it. Those are yeah. your leadership development and figuring out you know where you guys are strong and now strengthening on the other side. Man, that is really, really – man, you guys are nailing it. So. Yeah, and, I th- and, and like you said, man, I think the, the most difficult – the most difficult, the next 10 years for me will be the most difficult in ministry, not because people will come or go, not because finances may be up or down, but this will be the first season of my life where I actually trust people. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of times as leaders, you put people in position yep. and you say you trust them, mm-hmm. but you really don't trust them. Right. You, you just need them to steward what you what you don't have the time to do. And now what I'm doing is, you know, am I saying the yeah, truth? You're about to back into a whole other episode. You know, right? hey, you, all you're doing, so hey, I need you to sing this song, this song, teach it to them. So ba- right. they're just babysitting. Yeah. And what I'm realizing right now is on um, where God has me. I have some really gifted people around me, and I got to step back. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the Holy Spirit gave me this analogy. My baby boy, Miles, uh, he's four years old. Um, he goes to daycare, and I'm just livid, like, like, he's acting a fool. He's he's bad, and they have cameras. Mm-hmm. So I'm in daycare, like, no, mm-hmm. my child's not like this. Now something's not right. right. They press press play. Miles is standing on top of the table. Ah, he's throwing things. And I was like, oh wow. For the first time, I had to realize he's not with me what he was with them. Mm-hmm. And I'm discovering with Ooh. my ministry, if my ministry only flourishes in my hands. That is not a ministry, right? you know? So for me, man, what I'm doing now is trusting uh, my executive pastor. And I, I'm finna, they don't even know this. I'm changing my whole ministry model. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm finna have four executive pastors, an executive pastor of administration, of ministry, mm-hmm. of experience. And I have an executive pastor who will handle all business models. Right. Uh, we have yeah. um, Christian school. Uh, I cut the Christ, Christ, we had the only African-American-owned, fully accredited K through 12 in the state of Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I cut that down to that where it's now K through eight because I was realizing now, this is broken. Right. So COVID allowed me to go in and say, okay, and I stood before my church and said it. Here's where your pastor missed it. You wow. know, we've been having great church. I haven't necessarily stewarded great people. Um, um, we were good at outreach. I was horrible at inreach. So I fed the entire city and I had volunteers wow. who couldn't eat dinner. So I believe there's a level of accountability and transparency that comes with it. And that's what we're trying to do, man, is, is, is seeing good, pl- good places like One Community, learning, gleaning, uh, and, and making sure we stay true to what God called us to do. Because I think so many pastors right. become copycats yep. and don't realize that the oil on this ministry doesn't. Sometimes it's, uh, I'm going to stop. Sometimes it's not the oil, it's the soil. Go there. You know, sometimes yeah. it's not the oil, it's the soil. You know, what works in Dallas necessarily might not work in Birmingham. That's right. You know, so you have to make sure not only are you, are you do you possess the oil, but are you planted in the right soil? That's right. Mm-hmm. And no matter how hard you try, and then, and then you get mad, it's not working like it worked over like there. Like it worked over there. And, and God's got a special call on every single individual. That's right, absolutely. A, a special anointing, and you can learn pieces here and there, but let it be you. Yeah. Um, that's so. Now, I want to ask you one more question. Um, with uh, the church growth, with the influence growing, with the awards. So basically for any leader who's having success, how do you still stay humble and not believe the press report of what everyone's saying and say, you know what, God, I'm just, I'm just, I'm here because of you. How do you stay humble in the middle of all that? 
I um I examined the live. It's easy for me to remain humble because I've witnessed a lot of crashes. You got me? Yeah. I'm a church junkie. Uh -huh. When I say church junkie, like um, to the point of where mm. I will go days not eating or sleeping wrapped in an idea yeah. or dissecting like one community. I've already dissected it, like just looking and I'm checking out who's moving, I'm watching how they move. And uh, then I read the story of how it started. Then I traced it back to Tony Evans and I studied some of Tony Evans and I traced what Tony. So, so I, I'm, I'm, I, I just, I love it. I can't explain it. Like it's, it's this. It's, I, I can talk church all day, you know. So for me, as a little kid, while most cats wanted to be in the streets, I love freaking church. Mm -hmm. You know, I would sit there. So if you ask me at 12 years old, who's your hero? This person would say Deion Sanders and Emmitt Smith. This person would have said Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon. You would have asked me, I would have said C.L. Franklin. I can, I can, I can quote the whole sermon that Jasper Williams preached at C.L. Franklin's mm -hmm. funeral. It would be Tommy Lewis. It would be uh, Martin Luther King. I, it's weird. On my iTunes right now, I have all of Dr. King's speeches. You know, so for me, I've witnessed crashes. I've seen the church in the community that was the it church growing up. And they built the first phase of the building, which was supposed to be the youth building. And we're going to worship here while we raise the money. And they're still there. Or I've witnessed the guy who was absolutely incredible, absolutely charismatic, gifted, and fall to his flesh. Mm -hmm. So for me, staying humble is the stark reality that at any moment all of this can be gone. You know, um, uh, I don't mind sharing this. My wife and I stayed in an extended state. We would roll quarters and pay for it every Friday. You know, not because my father and mother wouldn't take care of me. I have incredible parents, but pride wouldn't let me go to them and say I failed. You know how that is. So yeah. we would roll quarters and go and do what we have to do. Um, we come from humble beginnings. Yeah. You know, um, I never forget growing up. Every fourth Sunday, they would do something called Fourth Sunday Fellowship, where all the pastors would meet at one church mm -hmm. and they would take turns preaching. Wow. You know, Fourth Sunday, it was the it thing. And uh, hear me now. That doesn't sound like a short service. Oh my God, no. <laughs> well, let me. They didn't all preach that night. Oh, I so you so let, that. so imagine <laughs> ten pastors would all meet at one community. Oh. And then we would say, all right, it's your night to preach. Gotcha. And your choir saying, then the next fourth Sunday, we go to another church. So, I mean, that was the best time ever. And I would sit there, and all the pastors would get out their Cadillacs. They would get out of their, their Lincolns. Remember the Cadillacs had the rag top? Remember that with the rag top halfway? And I would sit in the car, and we would be in a church van. And I can remember just looking like, God. But I, I noticed, I never forget this, and I told my dad this about two weeks ago. Every pastor would get out their Cadillac, put their little leather coat on, the long trench, Put a top hat on because you're a preacher. You got to keep your head covered. And, and they would walk in the building. Yeah. My father was the only pastor who would get out the church van. We didn't have a Cadillac. He would walk around, open the door, put the stepladder out, help my mom out, get all of his kids out the car, make sure our clip-on ties were right. We walked in as a family. To this day, my brother and I and my sister are probably the only pastor's kids still in ministry because I believe a lot of them love the title more than they love their first ministry. Yeah. So for me, man, it's just staying humble and it's realizing I didn't do this. God did it, you know, and, um, and just trying to remain faithful to the assignment. And if I could just give a little bit of my black mumba, yeah, the black mumba, I'm behind schedule. You know, you have these goals in your mind. You know, I had, I got plans, man. I, I had goals and what I'm doing now is asking God, okay, I'm laying my ambition 
And this may be a tweetable moment for somebody watching. Don't allow your ambition to lead you to an ambush. You know, don't allow your ambition wow. to lead you to an ambush. I don't want my ambition. I got so many opportunities on the table now. Like, hey, come out to L.A. Come out to Detroit. Hey, we're shooting a movie here. Come do so-and-so. And now I'm just sitting back like, okay, God, which one? But he's uh, silent. Yeah. So I'm learning to just sit still because the Lord give it, but the Lord also takes away. That's the truth. Yeah. And I know this is a whole other conversation, but it sounds like um, – Sounds like the power of an amazing godly father in your life. Oh, he's incredible, man. My dad is um everything I am in this world is because of him. I mean is he's um he's uh I I had my dad and mom come over um uh, probably about five months ago. Mm -hmm. I heard the Holy Spirit just say, uh, give until it hurts. Mm -hmm. You know, so I wrote both of them a check for twenty five thousand dollars. I was like, Hey, this hurts. I said, um, I said, but I want to give you guys something tangibly that literally said everything I have is yours. You know, and um, my dad, man, he's cold, man. Literally, we would be in church. He would look at me and say, all right, uh, the choir's going to sing. Next voice you'll hear is Mike Jr. And he would put me on stage and literally teach me to preach live. Like, imagine, he would, all right, you ready? Go. Yeah. And I'd be on stage. When you open up your Bible, you see the LeBron, man, slow down, out loud, slow down. You know, so, it, it, or he would be in marital counseling. i never forget this. He's in marriage counseling, and two couples are fussing. I'm probably 13. They are fussing, and the guy says, I can't take it anymore. He says, wait one second. He turns to me and says, now, this is where you got to control the atmosphere. And I'm looking like that. He was like, no, you're going to be a pastor one day. Trust me, you got to sit. And I promise you, everything he spoke, he would come up to me and say, hey, you're different. Every day, and 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 I I, I can't I can't pay him back. I, I think one scripture says, "What shall I render for all your many benefits towards me?" If I had to make that dad, what shall I render? Mm. You know, if he's listening right now, I love you from the bottom of my heart. Um, I pray that, and this is where I'm gonna stop. And I want to cry. There are times. See, a good golly father shows you the love of God manifested. So for me, there are times even when I don't know if I'm trying to please God or him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because when you father yeah. right, you see both. I, I can't, I can't yeah. explain, you know, like Mason, my um, baby boy, he has a little girl, a girl who likes him. So he's in middle school now, seventh grade. So he asked me, could he go to the jump park? I say, cool, come to find out the little girl's there. Uh -huh. So my wife was like, I knew it was something. I stayed. We're going to go right now. I said, no, 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 no. I said, I said, stay. Yeah. I said, stay. I talked to him when I get home. I got on the phone. I said, hey. I said, you know, you could have just been honest with me, right? He's like, yes, sir. But I thought I was going to get in trouble. I said, now, do I whoop you? He's like, no, sir. I said, do I cuss and scream at you? He said, no, sir. I said, so what in your spirit said that would be the re repercussions? Mm -hmm. But it made me think about all the times that this good, good father has always been here for me. But I hid from him. Mm -hmm. So for me, man, fathering is one of the greatest. Anybody who knows me know. I had the greatest opportunity in my ministry career. I passed up because Xander had a football game. Mm -hmm. And all of my preaching friends said, if you turn this man down, he will never call you again. Mm -hmm. I said, Xander has a football game. Xander gets his first interception. Had I missed that moment wow. to go preach? No. Never my, get that back. my babies mean more to me than anything. So wow. love you, Dad. That's what's – and for leaders listening um, – just, just getting to know you a little bit, I, I can already tell the reason you're leading well 
is because you've been led well. Yeah, absolutely. And leaders don't rush out there. We talk about this all the time. Don't rush out to just jump out. If you haven't, if you haven't been led well or followed well, that's going to impact your ability to lead others. Yeah. And that's what I'm seeing in your life and yeah. kind of what God's doing in you and around you. Um, there is one more question Come I want on. to ask you. Just for the pastor or leader that's listening, and you have influence in, in the culture, today's world, in the social realm, what would you say to the pastor who's wondering, how in the world do I reach this next generation? What, what do I need to try with them that, that doesn't work? It, it, you know, it's not going to work anywhere else, but I've got to try with them. What, what new thing, what new way, or what thing do I need to bring back that will reach today's culture? I think the first thing they have to ask is, are they called to that generation? Okay. I think that's the biggest misconception everybody makes is that you give yourself an assignment God didn't give you. You know, so you sit back and you look. So now you have a pastor who's called to the, the so now you have a pastor who's called to the previous generation, mm -hmm. but because the previous generation isn't giving him the energy he desires or the the push he wants, mm -hmm. he now he now decides to change his assignment. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, when I look at Ezekiel, God asks Ezekiel, "Can these bones live?" Uh, conversely, you got Ezekiel. Conversely, then all of a sudden you see somebody else who steps into. A, 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 a man you a, a, a right now success mm -hmm. so you got a prince who steps into a kingdom but then you got Ezekiel who steps into dry bones you can't pick where you're planted yeah. you know he looks at Ezekiel and says can these bones live and Ezekiel gives God the coldest answer in the whole Bible he says Lord you know you know why would the progenitor of anything ask me anything if he's all things and all knowing right. he doesn't ask a question to get information he asks a question to get revelation God is telling Ezekiel I know the answer I'm trying to see if you know the answer. Yeah. Ezekiel says, Lord, you know. He says, speak to it. So in other words, if we had to um, properly harmonize that or, or build a bridge of contemporization from that text to now, tweet to him. Yeah. He tells Ezekiel, just send a tweet out. Send a word out. Mm -hmm. And they gonna, it's going to come together. Post something. It's going to come together. Yeah. Conversely, speaking to it wouldn't have worked for Moses. Because yeah. Moses had right. See, the bones couldn't complain. Mm -hmm. The children of Israel could. Those are two totally different type of ministry styles. And for me, I think it's like even now I got earrings in my ear. Mm -hmm. You know, earrings in my ear. Uh, if I preach sometimes, I may have my gold chains out. I'm tatted up right in here. You know, mm -hmm. so a lot of times I had to, I went through a phase in my ministry where I was wearing a three-piece suit. Um, I cut my hair low. Um, I, I, I was trying to talk stronger. I wore glasses that weren't even prescribed, but they looked good to make you look a little smarter. You know, because I was trying to reach, this is crazy. I wasn't trying to reach the new generation because I had them. Yeah. I was trying to reach the older generation because right. here it is, into a pastor watching, the new energy, the new generation got the energy, the old generation got the money. Well. You need both of them. I need energy and finances. And I looked, and I, I never forget, I looked at myself on TV, and I was like, this ain't me. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, like now, um, our ministry is just so diverse um, because I think one of the things a lot of pastors miss, and we got to do this better, um, every ministry is multicultural. Mm -hmm. I've never heard nobody say that. Because when we say multicultural, you think black guy, white guy. Right. No, there are different classifications of black people. Definitely. You know, you got, you got well-to-do black people, educated black people. You got some hood black people. Mm -hmm. You got middle-class black So there are different cultures within the culture. Right. Just like um, uh, within English, you got Ebonics. You know, that, so it's still English, but it's a different culture of Ebonics. Right. You know, so for me, 
I think you got to ask yourself, number one, am I called to that generation? Number two, do I speak the language of that generation? Mm -hmm. Whoever controls the language controls the culture. You know, so when I preach like tonight, I try my best to speak every language possible. You know, in our text tonight, we see so-and-so, so-and-so. So if we can properly harmonize our hermeneutics with relevant homiletics, right. the, the, the theologians say, ooh, you know, or I want to build a bridge of contemporization from the original audience now because there are sometimes like, ooh, or, or can look at them and say, no, because I'm, I'm, I'm saved and wrecked. So it's like, can you speak the language? Right. If, I go, if I go to Japan, I don't care how well I preach. If I don't have a translator, the message won't get heard. Right. So to a pastor who may not be as fly, bring on a translator. Mm. Invest in a young person in your ministry who you can look and say, hey, translate this for me. Take my 40-minute boring sermon and cut that joint to 30 seconds. Right. Put it on a reel and we through the Let's roof. Go. Have you ever seen a reel? That's right. And you said, oh, my God. Then you went to the message and was like, oh, God. <laughs> Because they translated it. So for me, every time, and I'm going to stop talking, every time you step into a new realm, you have to change clothes. So if I want to go down, I need scuba gear. If I want to go up, I need astronauts. You know, Every realm desire requires a change of outfits. Okay. You got me? Every realm. So if I want to go down, clothes change. If I want to go up, clothes change. All right. So, so every nation I step into requires a different language. You got what I'm saying? Yep. So for me, one thing I always master is the language. That's good. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I try my best to make sure, number one, I can speak the language. Number two, I understand the culture. Because mm -hmm. you ask. So now they're saying, okay, I want to reach a, a younger demographic. Well, a lot of your hardcore biblical beliefs mm -hmm. are going to offend a sensitive, ignorant generation. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So do I speak the language? Do I understand the culture? Does my vibe match the culture? Can I handle inconsistencies? You know, so it's, it's a lot of different things. I would just say, ask God what your assignment is and, and be comfortable where you are. You know, I, um, I meet with a lot of people. And one thing I do, coming to one community, you're gonna leave, you can't come here and not leave dreaming. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I got six things in my phones right now. I, all right, and we get home. I need lean-in wall buildings. I don't even remember. What's the name of it? Tilt walls. Tilt walls. I, I, I'm, I need a lean-in wall building now. You know, like, I'm, I'm just fired up. Like, hey, I need that. But at the same time, I'm not going to go home and try to reproduce right, right. what I didn't slave over. Mm -hmm. God put that in Pastor Conway. Mm -hmm. But what I can say is, okay, God, here's what I saw. It ignited something. Is this your will for me? And if it's not, it's not. Mm -hmm. But I celebrate it when I see it. So yeah. mm, Here we go. Leaders, I hope you're listening to this. I hope you're catching it and figuring out what nuggets you can take back mm -hmm. that you can share with your team. Um, it's been an honor to have Pastor Mike Jr. Yeah. with us today. Thank you so much, Thank man. you for having it's me. It's been awesome to learn about this next generation, about what it looks like post-pandemic, and how we do church and how that might just need to shift for some of us. We might not need to run back to how it used to be mm -hmm. and look at new things. So I just want to I want to thank you again for listening, hanging out with us today. If this has benefited you, I encourage you go share with your team, go hit share, go leave us a review, and you can always check out the notes at visit1cc.com/leadershiproundtable. Again, thank you on behalf of our pastor Dr. Conway Edwards and Pastor Mike Jr. in the house. I see that, man. We cannot wait to see you again next month. God bless you, fam. 
thank you so much for listening in on today's episode. We are so grateful that you are here. Now, if this has helped you grow and you want to climb your leadership to the next level, don't forget the Climb Conference is coming up in January of 2022 from Bishop Van Moody to Pastor Eric Mason to our very own Dr. Conway Edwards. You don't want to miss this. There'll be so many more. Here's where you go, climbleadership.com. It will be in our show notes as well. We cannot wait to see you there.